listening to a sermon from Sojourn Church in Fairfax, Virginia. We hope that this is an encouragement to you no matter where you find yourself on your spiritual journey. If you're not already, we would encourage you to connect to your local church. If you'd like to find out more about Sojourn in particular, please visit our website at sojournfairfax.com. May God bless you now as you listen to the preaching of his word. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3-9. through 9. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the testing, tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Morning. It's good to gather with you on this Sunday morning. My name is Justin. I'm one of the pastors here at Sojourn. And so if this is your first time, as Edward said earlier, welcome. We're thankful that God has brought you to be with us this morning. If you're a regular attender, a member of Sojourn, it's good to see your faces this morning as well to worship our God and King. As we jump into God's Word this morning, let's just go to the Lord in prayer and ask Him to bless this time. So let's pray together. Father, we come before you this morning and we just pray simply this, that you would be glorified today. I pray that your name would be exalted, that who you are and what you've done for us will be lifted up high this morning so that if our focus in any way is on ourselves or even our circumstances, God, that this morning you would shift our gaze, that we might behold you in all of your glory. God, I pray this morning that you would encourage our hearts. I pray this morning you'd give us hope. I pray for some that are in the room this morning that you would awaken us. Maybe we've been walking through our life in a, in a sleepy kind of state, our relationship with you in a sleepy state. God, would you awaken our hearts, our minds, our souls this morning. I pray, Father, by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would bring life today. And above all, may the name of Christ be exalted. We pray this in his name. Amen. You know, we live in, uh, in pretty interesting and difficult times, challenging times. It seems as if every day something is not going well in our world. It doesn't take much to, to see that, whether you're looking at the news or on your phone or whatever it happens to be. There always seems to be a lot going on, and, and maybe it's because our world has gotten worse over time, or maybe it's because everything is just kind of thrown in and pushed into our view, into our face through things like streaming and social media and all of that. I mean, our world at times feels like it's constantly teetering on disaster. We look around and see things like, contention in politics or issues with our environment or the abuse of power, injustice, economic disparity, hatred of one group over another, just constant tension, constant conflict that seems to be erupting all over the place all the time. 
And a lot of that stuff that's going on, that feeling for us that things aren't going well, isn't just out there. It isn't just through the 24-7 news cycle that we're all exposed to. For some of us, that feeling that things aren't going well or that life is challenging or difficult resides just within our own heart and mind, within our own life. Some of you are experiencing loneliness in a profound way. Some of you are experiencing sickness and suffering in a very acute way. Some of you are in the midst of broken relationships that you aren't sure are going to be repaired or made new. Some of you are walking through financial difficulty right now, not sure how you're going to pay your rent or your mortgage next month. Some of you, just right now, if you're just honest about your life, you're just kind of bored with it. Walking through the mundane nature of life can just generally feel apathetic. And so often we can assess the world around us, we can assess our own human experience, and in the midst of that, can feel hopeless. And if that's the case, the question we have to ask ourselves is, well, why have hope in the midst of a a world that seems to be unraveling? Is it even possible to have hope? Is there anything that can be done about that? I mean, sure, the world offers you quick fixes all the time. It offers you a, a jolt of joy and happiness that you can find in maybe your material possessions or you can find in a relationship or what you do for your work or your career, your vocation in things. They just If you have this, you can find your hope in this. You can stake your hope and your happiness on this. But all of those things, if we're honest about them, are fleeting. They're not lasting. Well, as we get into God's Word today, we're going to see that there is something to be done about the midst of what our world is going through, or rather there's something that has been done for us. Today, as we've acknowledged already, is Easter Sunday, a Sunday where the church historically has celebrated the resurrection of Jesus. And what we'll see today in our text that we're going to walk through is that it's precisely because Christ is risen, precisely because Jesus is alive, that we not only can have hope, but we can have a living hope and a rejoicing hope that's not fleeting but everlasting. And I'm glad you're here this morning. No matter where you find yourself on your spiritual journey, maybe you've been walking with Jesus for a long time, and this morning you woke up this morning excited that Christ has risen. Maybe for some of you this morning you've known Christ for a while, but the reality of your own spiritual walk right now, your relationship with God is is tenuous at best. It's difficult. You're not sure if God is for you. You're not sure about his character and his nature. Maybe for some of you this morning, you came because a friend invited you or you are interested in checking out who Jesus is or what this Easter thing is all about, what church is all about. But no matter where you find yourself on your spiritual journey, I'm glad that you're here today. I'm glad that we get to gather today. That in God's kindness and his providence, he wanted you to be here. This is not by accident that you're here this morning. In this particular place in Fairfax, Virginia, at this particular time, I'm glad that we get to be together this morning. I'm overjoyed because Jesus is alive. And we get to celebrate that together. Maybe you believe that this morning. Maybe you don't. But I hope that God will do an encouraging work in your life this morning, that God will do a transforming work in your life this morning. Whether you call yourself a follower of Jesus or not, whether you have joy in Jesus right now or not, whether you believe he's alive or aren't even sure that he exists. And so with that, let's jump into God's word this morning in First Peter chapter 1. And may God bless the preaching of his word. 
Peter is the author of this letter. He was an apostle, a follower of Christ, a man who saw Christ crucified and testified to his resurrection. And he's writing this letter to a group of disciples, a group of followers of Jesus. But it's a group who's experiencing trial in their life right now. They're experiencing difficulty and suffering in the midst of their life, a lot of which is due to the fact that they are seeking to follow Jesus. They're looking to follow Jesus. They're trying to be faithful to following Christ in the midst of a world that is set against Christ. And so they're experiencing difficulties because of that. In fact, the life that they're seeking to live, as it's contrasted with the world they find themselves in, is so different that Peter calls them in chapter 1 exiles. And later on in chapter 2 calls them sojourners in exiles. They're people that are just passing through. As they find themselves in the world that they're in, they recognize that this place is not their home, that their citizenship resides somewhere else. And so Peter's writing to them to encourage them. He's writing to them to encourage them not to lose heart, to remember who they are, and to stay the course. Our text this morning, 1 Peter 1, 3-9, can be broken down into two points. And so our first point this morning that we see in verses 3-5 through is that we have a living hope. A living hope. Let's look at verses 3-5 through again. Peter writes this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. What we see in the midst of this is that Peter starts off by giving praise to God the Father, but it isn't some kind of disconnected praise. It's rooted in what God the Father has done for us. What does it say? He has caused us to be born again to a living hope. See, the spiritual reality of every person is that we are spiritually dead as a result of our rebellion and our sin. We, we've chosen and continue to choose If God has not intervened in our life, we continue to choose to kind of go our own way, to be the king of our life, to be the queen of our life, the captain of our own ship. But that's a self-defeating enterprise. And the reason for that is because you were not made to be a self-sovereign. God created you and you were created in his image to live life with God, the only true sovereign. You may think, well, that sounds oppressive to me to be under the rulership of God, but it's not oppressive, friends. It's freedom for you. It's freedom for you because God, as he describes himself throughout Scripture, is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. So what is true of every last person is that our sin, our rebellion, has left us dead and desperate. It's left us dead and desperate. Desperate for redemption. Desperate for new life. And so what Peter is declaring in this text, what he's reminding us of, is that God has made a way. That we're not left to ourselves. We're not left in this place of death and desperation, but he's made a way. And according to his character, according to his nature, according to his mercy, he has caused us to be born again. 
We are all spiritually unable to remedy our cosmic predicament. So God pursues us. God pursues us and He gives us new life so that we might believe. Listen, if you are in Christ, if you've trusted in Jesus for who He is and what He's done, believing that Jesus lived a perfect life, a life that you and I are unable to live, that He went to a cross willingly to take on all of your sin and all of your shame and then rose again from the grave. If you believe that, if you've trusted in Christ for the forgiveness of your sin, that you might be reconciled to God, then this is true for you. But it isn't because you figured it out. It's because God had mercy on you. It's His doing. John chapter 1 Verses 11 through 13, speaking of Jesus, speaking of this reality of being made new in Christ, John writes this He, meaning Jesus, came to his own, and his own people did not receive him, but to all who did receive him, to all who did receive Jesus, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Catch this though, who were born not of blood nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Friend, what you deserve is judgment. What you deserve is wrath for your rebellion and sin, but through Jesus and Jesus alone, God's wrath is righteously satisfied in the cross. He gives now grace in life. Through Christ, you are able to be made new. And do you know that this morning? And are you believing that this morning? Because see, this doesn't just matter for eternity. It matters for your life right now. Because if you are born again, you're not left to fend for yourself and scrap for hope in the midst of a broken down world. No, because you're born again, you have a living hope. A living hope. You have hope for a future You have hope for restoration that God will make all things new. Not only make you new right now, but ultimately will bring the fullness of His creation into restoration. And peace will rule and reign. See, a living hope is in contrast to a dead hope. Or an empty hope. Or a vain hope. A hope that isn't based on or rooted in anything. Like I said earlier, it seems as if a lot of people in the midst of our world right now are hopeless. Or if they have some semblance of hope, what their hope is in is futile and fleeting. Maybe that's you this morning. But this living hope that Peter is talking about is not based on wishful thinking. It's based on the risen Christ. See, it's a living hope specifically because it's rooted in the resurrection of Jesus. And Jesus is alive. And it's a living hope that because we are united to Christ in His death and in His resurrection, it means that we too one day will be resurrected as well, made completely new, fully like Jesus. Where there will be no more sin and no more brokenness and no more shame and no more sadness or sickness in our life. What a glorious day that will be. I mean, Peter is fired up here about this, thinking about this living hope that he has in Christ, that he wants the people that he's writing to to have. Are you fired up about that? Does that get you excited to think on that, to reflect on what Christ has done for you? And because of that, because Jesus is alive, you now can have a living hope. 
The resurrection of Jesus is the means by which we are born again to this living hope. But the inverse is also true. Apart from the resurrection of Christ, apart from Jesus being alive, we have no hope in this life or the next. See, in verses 4-5, through Peter gives us a further description of this living hope made possible by the risen Christ. He says your living hope is an inheritance that comes by being born again into the family of God and being united to Jesus. What that means for you is that everything that's Jesus's is yours. That his life becomes your life. That his death becomes your death. That as he was crucified on the cross, that you were also crucified. That your old life has been put away and that Jesus rose again from the grave. That that becomes your new life now. That you've been resurrected as well. Through Christ, you are made new and you are being made new. And this inheritance isn't something that can be lost or ruined by you. What does Peter say? He says it's imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. Man, everything in our world eventually fades. Everything in our world eventually loses its luster. You buy a new set of clothes and they look nice for a while, but eventually they get worn out. And their color fades. I don't care what kind of detergent you use. Right? We, we buy a new car. And we're like, man, this is great. It looks good. Even if it's a used car, they get it all fixed up inside. The inside is nice and clean. The outside looks nice and clean. But over time, it gets dented and scratched. And that paint job starts to fade a bit more. And if you have little kids like I do, the inside of your car looks like a bomb went off inside of it. Right? It loses its luster. We could even look at our looks. We can think, man, I look pretty good. Some of you look really nice this morning, but over time, your looks are going to fade. That luster goes away. It doesn't matter how much concealer you use. Listen, our economy, our economy is built on the idea that things eventually need to be replaced. Right? It, it needs to be replaced over time because it wears out and it loses its luster. But this living hope, this future inheritance, it never wears out. It never loses its luster. It never needs to be replaced. In fact, Peter says it's an inheritance never to be lost, never to be tarnished, kept secure in heaven for you. For you. It's kept for you, you who by God's power are being guarded for a salvation ready to be revealed when our risen Jesus comes again. And Peter's talking about this idea of a final salvation when every reality of what it means that you are with God, you're united to Christ, will come to full fruition. The full view and full experience of that. You will be with God forever and be made fully like Jesus. That's kept for you. It's secure in heaven for you. And this living hope then, this future inheritance, comes with guarantees. We live in a world that seeks to discount the resurrection of Christ. We live in a world that seeks to destroy any idea of a living hope. We live in a world that's constantly seeking to distract you from your future inheritance so that you might find hope here and now apart from Christ. But friends, our God is not to be trifled with and Jesus will not lose any who are His. And so by God's power, He protects us because by God's power, He sustains our faith. 
even when things aren't going well in our life, He keeps us from falling away into unbelief. God's power energizes your faith, but it's still your faith, your believing, your trusting in the risen Christ today. So let me ask you, are you doing that? Are you believing that Jesus is risen now? You may have said, well, I believed it yesterday, and I believed it a week ago, and five years ago, and 50 years ago, but I want you to be believing it now. Are you believing it now? Because you need it today if you're going to continue to have hope in this life. By God's grace and mercy, we've been born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Christ. A living hope and a lasting inheritance and eternal salvation. This is what you have if you are in Christ and it's what's available to you if you don't yet know Christ. Precisely because Jesus is risen. Peter's not done encouraging us this morning. What we see in the next few verses, verses 6-9, through is why this living hope matters and what it produces in our life. Which leads to our second point this morning, a rejoicing hope. A rejoicing hope. Listen to verses 6-7. through Peter's just been talking about this living hope we have through the resurrection of Christ. And then he says this, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Peter says we rejoice in this living hope that we have through the resurrection of Jesus. But we don't do so in a vacuum. We rejoice in the midst of grief because of various trials that we'll encounter. We have a living hope, but we live in a broken world. When we find ourselves in this place of this now and not yet that Christ has come and we wait for Him to come again. But right now we wait. We're longing for that to happen, for Him to come and, and make all things new. And so what that means for us if we're in Christ is it makes us sojourners, just like the people that Peter's writing to. People who recognize that this place is not our home, that we're just passing through. But life as a sojourner can be painful at times. We can experience real loss in this life for following Jesus. Our family might disown us for following Jesus. Our coworkers or neighbors or friends might ridicule us for seeking to be faithful to following Jesus. And if you saw the news this morning, some 200 of our brothers and sisters in Sri Lanka lost their lives this morning because they were following Jesus, worshiping Him on this Resurrection Sunday. There's real loss in this life as we seek to follow Christ. There can be real loss in this life because of the effects of sin in our world. We can experience sickness and suffering. We can feel the challenge that we're walking through just because of the battle of the, of the sin that remains in our life. There can be real loss in this life because others have sinned against you. But Peter is reminding you this morning that this does not need to lead to despair. You have a living hope that can lead to a rejoicing hope that enables you to endure whatever comes your way because Jesus is alive. Because Jesus caught up and walked out of that grave. See, the life 
of Jesus, the death of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus is not just a matter of history. It matters for your life at this moment in the days ahead. Because though your suffering is real and painful, it doesn't last forever for those who are in Christ. Just as death was swallowed up when Jesus rose again, suffering and sin will be finally swallowed up when the risen Christ comes again. Though now, for a little while, we wait for that time. But it isn't a waiting that's not without purpose. We rejoice even in the midst of trials because of the hope we have in the resurrection of Jesus. So that, Peter says, so that the tested genuineness of your faith more precious than gold, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. What he's saying to you in that is that God is always working. He's not passive. He's not disconnected from your life. He's always at work. And in fact, he's even working out his plan in the midst of your anguish. This means that trials in the midst of this broken world are not abnormal for us to walk through. They're a a part of the world we're in, but it's through them that God uses those things to have our faith tested and purified. Suffering then becomes a crucible for faith because it's in the midst of suffering, the midst of trial, in the midst of difficulty that you realize that the risen Christ is all you need because the risen Christ is all you have. When Amy and I were struggling with infertility about 10 or 11 years ago. And we got off the phone with a doctor who said to us, you have about a 1% chance of getting pregnant on your own. I remember talking with her. We were talking together, and, and as we were walking through grieving that and processing that, it also just came to my mind that, man, this is a test for us. Do we actually believe what we say we believe about God? Life up to that point had been pretty pretty easy going for the most part. He said God is sovereign and he's good and he's faithful. But do I believe that now in the midst of a trial, in the midst of a difficulty? See, some of you are going through challenges right now in your own life. And all of us at some point will go through periods of difficulty and struggle. But we don't have to do so without joy and without hope because our God is faithful And the purpose of your trial that you have gone through, that you are going through, that you will go through, may not be made known to you in minutes or days, weeks or months, years ahead. It may not be made known to you until Christ comes again. So what this means, though, for you and for I is that we're not just kind of left to this hopelessness, that we can have both joy and grief mingled together. That they can be simultaneously experienced for the Christian because and only because we know that Christ is risen and he will come again. And we can have a living hope that leads to a rejoicing hope even if we don't know exactly what God is up to right now because we know who we are and we know whose we are. And he will come again to make all things new. I love how Peter ends this section of this text. He says, though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. 
I don't know about you, but sometimes I think we can read the Bible and we can read about a people that are being written to, like Peter's writing to, and we can be like, man, they just they lived in a different world than I did. It was easier for them to believe then than it is for me now. But isn't it encouraging that Peter's writing to a group of people who are way more similar to you than you realize? Just like you, they haven't seen Christ, but they love him and they believe in him because they have a living hope and a rejoicing hope because of their present faith in the risen Savior. A reality that when you and I take time, not just on Easter Sunday, not just once a year, but day by day to remember and reflect on can lead to that inexpressible joy that we're clinging to our risen Savior. Friends, Jesus is risen. He's risen. And He's seated right now at the right hand of God interceding for you and advocating for you. You have an accuser that stands before the throne of God accusing you day and night, bringing your sin before a holy God saying, look what he did, look what she did, look how much they failed. And Jesus says, paid for, done, finished. And I testify to that because I'm the risen Christ sitting here rebuking you, Satan, in the face of the living God. That's our risen Savior. That's what he does for you even now. Are you believing that today? Will you encourage one another to believe it tomorrow? If someone asks you right now, a neighbor, a coworker, a friend, someone you're sitting next to, why have hope in the midst of a world that seems to be falling apart? Why have hope in the midst of a life that seems to be falling apart? What will your answer be? Will you look to the things you have? Will you look to your looks? Will you look to your talents and abilities? where you look to the risen Savior and say, it's because of Him. Because Jesus is alive. Listen, if you are in Christ, I want you to know your living hope so that you can have a rejoicing hope. I want you to experience that in a, in a fresh way in your life, to be encouraged by that this morning. I want you, if you're in the midst of kind of a, a disillusioned time in your life, disenchanted with God, if you're kind of walking through life with some cobwebs when it comes to trusting in who God is, I hope this morning you are reminded and see that you have a Savior who's alive and worth following. That everything in this rest of this life is fleeting. May you be consumed by the greatness of our God. And if you're not yet following Christ... I want you to know this morning that you can experience this living hope that's available to you. And what that looks like is acknowledging the fact that you're a sinner who's rebelled against God. A sinner who needs to be saved and forgiven and set free. And that you trust in Christ, believing He is exactly who He said He is and has done exactly what He said He came to do. To die in your place as a substitute for you and to rose again from the grave so that you could have new life. If you don't yet know Christ, I implore you this morning, place your faith in Him. And there's a whole group of people here that would love to walk with you in that, to help you know what it looks like to walk with Jesus in the midst of this now and not yet we find ourselves in. As followers of Jesus, we don't have a dead hope, an empty hope, or a silly hope. We have a living hope that leads to rejoicing hope because we have a living Savior. When everything else around you is crumbling, why have hope? Because Christ remains and because Christ is risen. So come to him today. If it's the first time or the thousandth time in your life, come to him and cling to him. Set your mind on him and your heart on him. He is sure, he is steadfast, and he will never fail you. 
Normally at the end of our sermon time, we come and take communion, and we'll do that in just a few minutes. But before we do that, I want to encourage you this morning in a a different way. I want to invite two people who are a part of our church, two verse 8 people, dear friends of mine who haven't seen Jesus, but love him and believe in him. Dear friends right now who are walking through various trials and experiencing this kind of intermingled joy and grief. Friends who are walking in the midst of an unfinished story. Experiencing just the brokenness of our world in different ways in their own lives. But people who are trusting in the risen Savior, who are living out the example of what we see in 1 Peter 1, 3 through 9. And I want you to hear from them this morning because their stories aren't over yet. They're not looking back in the rear view and saying 10 years ago, this is what God is doing. It's real and right now going on in their life. So Sarah and Sean are going to come on up here. I'm going to just spend a few minutes just talking with them to hopefully encourage you guys this morning about what Christ is doing in their life. So this is Sarah Lillard. If you don't know Sarah, if you don't know her, you should get to know her. And, uh, and my brother Sean Jones here. If you don't know Sean, you should get to know him too. Um, Well, guys, thank you so much for being willing to come up here and be honest and vulnerable in front of a room full of people. So I'm grateful for that, for both of you. So thanks for doing that. Are you nervous? I'm not nervous. Are you nervous? (laughs) Um, Hey, just as we get going, just tell us, I'd love for each of you, just to tell us a bit uh, about what's going on in your life right now that's reminding you that we live in this kind of broken down world. Um, So I have... For the past um, two years, been struggling with a significant health issue. Um, didn't know what it was until just recently. So there's been a lot of unanswered questions up until probably November um, when I got a diagnosis of a um, an autoimmune disease um, that was started. I had cancer five years ago, and it engaged my immune system in a very unique way. And once the cancer was gone, my immune system didn't shut off again. So I'm just getting flooded with antibodies, and they are attacking my brain. And I had very significant um, symptoms of uh, just brain degeneration. Um, So it affects my immune system, my um, nervous system, my energy levels, just everything. There's not an aspect of my life or my family's life that hasn't been impacted by this illness. Um, mine, mine is really the opposite of that. Um, while yours was definitely not self-inflicted, um, mine was. Mine was a choice of how many times I could choose myself uh, instead of God and then therefore my family. Uh, yeah, it's been, um, let's see, I was 18, how old am I? Almost 30 years um, of, of pretty much drinking every single day. Um, the most difficult part is that I chose every single day, um, time and time again, to just drink. Um, I came out of Kentucky, cool college kid, beer and bourbon, right? All the time. I even brought it up here. And I brought, um, I brought that, that sin of control 
um, with me up here and even brought other people into it. And so to choose that willingly, um, there's a, there's a handful of you out there that, that I, I need to be talking to, to ask for forgiveness for bringing something like that as a challenge into your life. So when you talk about what I've been going through for probably since January, I don't know, probably about two years, but since January specific over the last couple of months, it has been, um, a, a different look on what it's like to be able to choose when the spirit calls out instead of not having a choice. Um, and even sitting here and, and cause I, I even was dealing with this coming in. I'm like, Sarah didn't have a choice. And I'm like, give me another. So not anything like Thor, but it was, um, like those are, those are still suffering. Um, but it's just such a different way back. Um, not that I am back by any means. Um, but it's a different conversation to have with your kids to say, well, I'm sick because I don't have a choice, but to say to your kids, I've, I've chosen this. Um, I'm not going to say their names, but yeah, to say Ethan or Natalie or Anna, I'm, I've chosen this and I chose this over you. Um, there's a lifetime of forgiveness there because since the day they walked into our lives, it has been a problem. Appreciate your honesty, yeah. uh, both of you just being here this morning. Um, as you brought out, Sean, there's, there's physical suffering and brokenness in the world, just our own brokenness of, of sin that can reside. How do you guys, in the midst of that, as we were talking about this morning, how have you been uh, just trusting in the fact that Christ has risen? How's that encouraged you or is it encouraging you? Well, for me, I, I think that I have, I've struggled with an understanding that the resurrection is not something that my resurrection isn't something that's just happening in the future. It's, it's happening now because Jesus is alive and I am being raised with him, right? I am daily being raised with him. So, um, for me, seeing the brokenness of my body um, has put that into just really laser focus. So when um, I, I'm medicated to the hilt, I like I have t- like seven different uh, prescription meds that doesn't even cover the supplements that I'm taking and, and then a treatment on top of that and IV fluids and all these things that the doctor is trying um, to help me just get through the day. Um, when I... Uh, have a setback in ha- my progress in, in healing, I immediately go to uh, despair. It, it is, and it's crazy to see how fast I lose sight of what God is doing um, and what he is revealing about me, what he is re- revealing about himself in this, um, in the struggle. So when I have those moments where I am just struggling, like, why is the, why am I getting set back? Why is my family still struggling and suffering? I mean, it's been two years that I haven't been able to do for them. Like, I just can't do for them what, what I want to do, 
why I feel like God has called me as a wife and a mother. I have four kids, and my husband has been amazing, but I see the strain on him. My mom has come to live with us. So I see the, the grace that God is giving me in those moments, but I sometimes spurn those gifts because I want it to be different. I want to be the one to care for them. And um, so I, I, question, I question God more often than I would ever want to admit. Um, but hopefully in that, um, as I'm having conversations with the ladies that are um, praying for me and caring for me, my husband also, my mom, they pray over me constantly um, that I am more quick to turn around and, and remember God's goodness and to remember his promises for me. What about you, brother? What's uh, take a big drink. <laughs> What's, uh, how's the resurrection of Christ, the fact that Jesus is alive, how's that encouraging you or how has that been encouraging to you in the midst of where you're at right now? I think it's been, and, and really it's only, this is like 24 hours news here, right? So over the last couple of years, I've, I've met a couple of times with Rocky um, and of course you and Tom and, and Edward. Um, but over that time, until Edward sent me, uh, we were doing, going through Psalm 130 and just out of the depths, I cry and talk about the depths, man. So in that, this guy was talking about in, I think it's in Luke. I'm asking you cause you're the pastor where they, um, what page, page number was that? Um, so where, where they, where they take their brother who is, who is crippled and broken and all these things and, and they, they lower him through the roof and, and Jesus looks at him, and so, of course, they take him, and I, I'm referring to those four guys because I, I had four men that I unknowingly had in my life that were outside of my family uh, that, were, that were praying for me, that were taking me there to Christ. And, and I think what they saw was this broken, hey, this guy just, whether he drinks all the time or he's this, that, or the other. Um, and, and right there in front of him, he just says, you're forgiven. And it wasn't the crippled part that was there. It wasn't, now, well, they took him for healing, which was innocent and simple. Um, but in that, finding how much um, control was an idol for me beyond the alcohol. So during the, I got sick uh, in January, the end of January, going into February, I got the flu. I've never had the flu. So I had, talk about great drugs. They, they caused me to hallucinate. I didn't take them on purpose. It was, like, to get rid of the flu. Um, but in that time, like, I mean, it was really weird. And I just, for some reason, I was reminded I'd read a book, and it was talking about this menagerie, this this place to live that's fake, that I can control. And it was controlled by craftiness and deceit, even just within my family, to say, I, I'll run out and do whatever you want me to do. I don't mind. For two years. Even in a time of just, I'm not doing this, but I lied. I kept it in my car. I kept it in my army stuff. I was gone. I, who cares? Nobody's going to know. Just be nice. Come on, man. So, yeah, I think during that time, what I, what I saw was just faithfulness. And so that resurrection part is not that I even saw God, but I had 
it was just broken away little by little, just by faithful brothers. And so that resurrection was just family. It was going from believing in God, but something wasn't clicking. There wasn't a belief of that resurrection, of that love that would turn to a rejoicing. And I really think that just over the last bit, um, it's been different. But I had to ask my kids about that and my wife. What was, what's been different? Uh, and I think Anna hit it. She's like, you're just not going to that anymore. You're going to something else. So there was a resurrection happening that I didn't even know about until. Still going on. Still going on. Yeah. 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 Well, I love that about, but like just in the midst of where you're at, where God has you right now, that this is, like I said, this kind of unfinished story of seeing new life developing over and over again. You know, I think it's just a good reminder to us that God saves us, but there's still a long road of making us more like Jesus. And it can be through both of those kinds of things. I think it's interesting and just uh, encouraging also that both of you are talking about just how much other people have been instrumental in helping you in the midst of that. Um, I mean, and I, I, what I hear you saying in that, not putting words in your mouth, is just even as you're struggling, you see the faith of others uh, and trusting in the risen Christ, even those moments when you're having a hard time doing that, or maybe you're forgetting that, or kind of doing, yeah, I believe, but I'm also acting in unbelief in these different ways. How, how would you encourage maybe somebody here that's not really connected in community right now, that doesn't have, it doesn't take a lot, right? Two or three people, um, four people. How would you encourage somebody this morning that isn't connected in community to be in community mm. with, with whatever is going on in their life? Well, I, I have found that in, I, I want to isolate myself when I'm struggling, and uh, I have found that to be just really unhelpful because I, um, I'm listening to myself more than I'm listening to others or to God, um, and I, I believe lies in those moments, um, and if there are people in our lives who are gentle, who are um, faithful, who are uh, kind to us, um, and, and sometimes kindness means pointing out sin, uh, obviously, um, but you will, if you shine, shine the light of other people's eyes into your heart, right? They see what you're, what you're struggling with, what you are um, and calling out the lies that you might be believing, um, that is gonna, it's gonna propel you forward because you're gonna be able to fight those, those lies. Sometimes we don't even re realize what we're believing is untrue. Um, so, um, also, it just, I, the encouragement that other people have, have brought to me, remi it reminds me that, um, there are promises that are mine in Christ that God has made for me to me, and to have people speak those promises to me has, is the most life-giving thing that I've experienced in these uh, in these years of of difficulty. So, um, if you can find someone, <laughs> it doesn't even have to, yeah one or two people who you can be honest with, who can you can listen to, it would. It's going to benefit you. Oh, I, you know, we have a thing at, at home. It's awareness, not aloneness. Um, and it was just a random conversation uh, with Emily one morning. And she was like, you know what? And all the things. 
But out of that came such wonderful things. You're so great. You're so pretty. Um, it came just to be aware is not, uh, I, th- I think we get afraid, I get afraid, that if I, if I bring something out, there's going to be a foothold for, for Satan. Um, but what it does is when you bring in other people, there's an awareness there and there's a, there's a camaraderie. And there's a thing that says, you don't have to go through this alone. And it's okay because we're not supposed to. Because there's a, if you care at all, and I think that's what, I, seriously, the, the only thing that keeps going through my mind, there is no reason for me, Sean Jones, to cry out for anything from the depths. But there's something within me when God called my name that he put inside that when I am in the depths, that part of him will cry out for himself to be reunited not in some weird, crazy, ethereal way, Edward, your word, um, but there, there's something within us. And if you care at all, it's because God has already called you. And so don't be afraid of it. I mean, there, what's the worst that's going to happen? You're going to stop worshiping yourself. Let me tell you how much fun that is. And so, yeah, just not being alone. Yeah. Good. That's encouraging. Yeah, just to encourage you guys, I mean, just you, you play a big part in each other's lives. Um, and just even reminding each other of the simple truth, but profound truth that Jesus is alive and he cares and he's working in you, I think is so important that it's not lost on us that how much uh, we are a gift to one another uh, in that. And I think you guys have both not only testified to that this morning, but even just interacting with you over the last years, just seeing um, just seeing you actually live that out and be honest before one another. And, and even when you're struggling with being honest, when it comes to that point, being willing to, to share those things and ask for, for grace in that. So last question for you, just as you reflected on the text that we walked through this morning uh, over this last week and, and sat and listened to it this morning, what are, are there any things that just kind of pop out to you that that's been helpful for you, just hearing God's word through Peter's writing um, as you think about your journey that you're on right now? I think that if in the very beginning, verse three, when when he when God caused it, it he's active. And if it if it strikes you that he caused it, then it's his. Just like you said, it's it's God's mercy and not our merit. It's not our things that are going to help us get back to him. It's just accepting it. And it's a hard thing to do because we can't see him. Right. So guess what we do? We make little idols or big idols. You were talking about the seven different drugs you had in your body. I'm like alcohol, whatever, you know, bourbon, however that makes. So it just, I don't know. I think that just if he caused it, he commanded it, he knows it, he knows my name, he calls me out, and that just settles it for me. Today. Tomorrow's a whole other day. But that's why I got my people. Well, the the word living hope is, that phrase is very meaningful to me. I mean, it reminds me, one of the, there are two promises that I cling to. Um, number one in Joel, that God is going to repay the, the years that the swarming locust has devoured. That's one. And number two is that I'm going to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. It's not going to be, it's not something that is going to come. Um, it, I, I, I'm seeing it now. I might not recognize it but that's something that I ask God constantly for is eyes to see what you are doing and your goodness and in my in my circumstances and so having um that that living hope is it, it, it tra- it's transformative 
Well, thank you guys so much. I know we could talk about this for a long time. Uh, I'd encourage you, again, if you don't know Sarah and Sean, to reach out and say, hey, I, I want to hear more about that. I'm sure they'd love to share more. Uh, and you can be praying for them. Like I said, unfinished stories, but clinging to the risen Savior. Uh, so I hope you guys are encouraged this morning, no matter what you're going through right now or what you will go through in the future, uh, that you have a brother and a sister in Christ right now who are very much aware that Jesus is all they have, uh, and so therefore Jesus is all they need as well. So thank you guys so much for being open, honest, and sharing with us this morning. So. Man, we have a risen Savior that we get to worship. What a joy, what a privilege that we have, and a God who is worthy of our worship and worthy of our lives. We're going to come forward now and take communion to testify to that reality of all that Christ has done for us. Uh, this is a, a meal that the church has been partaking of together for 2,000 years, a, a meal that was gifted to us by Jesus. But on the night that he was betrayed, he's having the Passover meal with his disciples, breaks the loaf of bread and says, this is my body broken for you. Eat this, do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took a cup and said, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. And so every time we eat this meal and drink this cup, every time we do that together, we testify to the fact that Christ died for us and rose again, and he will come again to make all things new. And so I want to invite you this morning to come forward, if you're a follower of Christ, to partake of this meal. And the band's going to be singing a song over you this morning. And so I'd encourage you as you take the elements and go back to your seats, that you would just see and listen to what's being sung. The words are going to be on the screen, but just receive it this morning as a gift to you. A song about our Savior that knows every difficulty that you have walked through, will walk through, has experienced that in his own life, but rose again to make all things new. So if you're a follower of Christ, you come forward this morning, rejoice in that. Walk in repentance if there's areas of repentance you need to walk in. Rest in what Christ has done. And if you're not yet a follower of Christ, we're so thankful that God brought you to be with us this morning. But we just ask you for you just to hang in your seat. Just receive this as an opportunity to reflect on all that's been spoken and sung and read this morning. And instead of taking communion, we want to invite you again to take Christ today. That you would place your faith in Jesus and that you'd start that new life, that resurrection life with Jesus today. And we would walk with you, have the joy of walking with you, the privilege of walking with you in this life and helping you understand what that looks like. For those of you that will come forward, you can come to the tables at the front or the back, tear off a piece of bread Take a small cup to drink, and what Christ, our risen Savior, has done for you will be spoken over you this morning. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks just for this time that we get to worship you, this time we get to gather together as your people. God, we give you thanks that there's a Savior that's risen, that's come alive, that's seating at, sitting at the right hand of you, the Father, interceding for us this morning. God, if that's not true, if that wasn't true, there'd be no reason for us to be here today. But God, you've filled this room with people who are seeking you in one way, shape, or form. So God, I pray that you draw us all closer to you this morning, that we would walk out of here this morning having a living hope and a rejoicing hope that leads to inexpressible joy full of glory and praise to you, our God and Father, who's made us alive in Christ. May that news never be old news to us. May it be just news that constantly astounds us that you pursued us. You rescued us. You brought us into relationship with you. And now we get to follow not a dead Savior, but a risen Savior. So Lord, I pray now as we come forward and take communion that you would nourish our souls, that you would 
enliven our hearts this morning and that we could respond in song, lifting our voices together in praise to you, our God, our King, our risen Savior, Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to this sermon from Sojourn Fairfax. If you have any questions, please feel free to email us at info at sojournfairfax.com. Go in peace. Thank you.